1: Welcome to the Cannabis Health Radio Podcast. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Allen. If you go on a number of clinical websites and search follicular lymphoma, a type of blood cancer, they will all state that it's not usually curable. Well, we've got some news for them today. By using cannabis, our guest today is now 11 years cancer-free. And joining us from Michigan is Sue Doty. Sue, it's good to talk to you again. How does it feel to defy the odds and be cancer-free for 11 years?
2: I think it's great. You know, when they first told me I wasn't going to live for very long, that kind of scared me. It certainly changed my perspective of life. I try to make sure I live every day to the fullest now. But yeah, eleven years later, I'm pretty confident that I'm gonna I'm gonna live my life out to the fullest every day until the end.
1: That's fantastic, you and Corey. I think Corey is now eleven years, right, Corey?
3: I am. Yeah, eleven
1: years. The eleven-year clan. That's great. So let's go back to the beginning of your story and tell us how you discovered you had follicular lymphoma.
2: I actually discovered. By a stomach bleed. I think I went over that in the first episode that I did. Mm -hmm. Got up morning. I was supposed to go to the doctor anyway. And ended up laying on the floor. And every time I went to sit up, I passed out. Pat called an ambulance. They brought me to the hospital and I had a stomach bleed. They fixed the stomach bleed and during all of the testing that they were doing, they diagnosed me with lymphoma. I had taken NSAIDs and Tylenol for probably about three months. What I was having was hip problems at the time or so, I thought, sciatica, hip problems. And it wasn't that. And from taking the NSAIDs and the Tylenol, I got the stomach bleed, even though I never took too much. So they aren't kidding on those boxes and they say, do not take this on a regular basis or for extended periods at all. Now I can never take another NSAID again. (laughs) But that was how they found out from uh, stomach bleed.
1: Now, when they told you you had lymphoma, that must have been a hell of a shock for you.
2: Yeah, it was. It was a really big shock. I really thought I probably had sciatica issues. You know, I had had that from being pregnant and having twins. So I, I was aware of what that was. But no, I was totally taken aback. I had no idea I had cancer. I thought people that had cancer felt sick.
0: Mm
3: -hmm. What did they propose to do, Sue? What did they say to you when they gave you that diagnosis?
2: They wanted to put in a port ASAP and start a chemotherapy called RCHOP, which is pretty heavy duty chemotherapy. Yes.
1: So you took that. How long did you take that for?
2: I took the RCHOP for six rounds. Each round was three weeks apart. So six rounds of chemotherapy. I started out weighing about, I don't know, I'd say 140, 145. After the third round of chemotherapy, I was down to 93 pounds. And they told me if I lost any more weight, they wouldn't be able to continue to treat me. That was really, really scary. I didn't know anything about cannabis at that time, other than I was a cannabis smoker. And that did help with the nausea. and the
1: Boy, 93 pounds. Uh, You were just skin and bone.
2: Yes. And like I say, all they told me was, you know, they're not going to continue to treat me because I've lost too much weight. Never gave me an idea of how to gain weight or help me gain weight or any of that. They just said that they were not going to continue to treat me unless I could gain some weight. Doctors do absolutely nothing when it comes to the physical body and helping you heal they had no suggestions they never offered me you know i hear people say that they can give you a a tube in your nose to fill up your stomach my doctor didn't offer me that he never offered me anything like that
1: the 93 pounds you must have been just skin and bone
2: yep i was really thin but during that time, my husband was doing tons of research to find anything he could to help me because he knew that I was not ever going to do no chemotherapy again, and this was not helping me, and they were really killing me. and he found out from his cousin in Florida, David, that cannabis oil was fixing this guy's cancer on his nose. so he found somebody to help him make oil, and he's made oil and literally every day since. The day I learned about cannabis oil, I've been taking at least a gram a day. Wow. wow.
3: What a <laughs> Yeah. Do you take that
2: all orally, Sue? And when you first started, did you take it all orally? Yes, I did. Yep. Yeah. Took it up to a gram a day. It took three days. Wow.
3: <laughs> yep. That's amazing. That's amazing. Of course, things have evolved a lot since then. Are we doing rectal dosing and no eye and all of that? But that is absolutely admirable. I've worked with patients where it took them months and months and months
2: to get up to a gram <laughs> if they get there at all. So that's, that's thing. Yeah, I, I felt so terrible after that chemotherapy and that cannabis made me feel so good that it, I didn't have any problem at all getting up to a gram a day. It really didn't didn't take me long at all.
3: Yeah. Now, Sue, did that chemotherapy, did that in quotations work at all? Did it have any impact
2: on the cancer? Well, the last PET scan they gave me after all of the six treatments were done, they told me that it had docked down the lymph nodes. That there was very little lymphatic activity, but. The type of chemotherapy they gave me caused tumors to grow in my lungs, and there was a different kind of chemotherapy they could give me for that, but they needed to my body. Wow. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, thank you. That's what I mean when I say, you know, Sue, I say to patients all the time that chemotherapy is the gift that keeps on giving, that throwing up and losing your hair are the least your issues. And this is a classic example of that. You know, yeah, it had an effect on the, the lymph system. And here we are now with tumors in the lungs. So, you know, it's,
2: yeah, it's crazy making. Oh, not to mention the neuropathy that, you know, I can't feel my arms or legs from my elbows down or my knees down. I have no immune system, so I have to give myself weekly Im- immunization injections. I-, I have an immune system; it's just so so low that I need help with it. So literally, every week I've got to give myself subcutaneous injections, thanks to the chemo.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I was cannabis. Yeah, you that. know,
1: so with with your with your immune system, I was reading. Uh, today, as a matter of fact, a book that was written in 1974 by Dr. Irwin Stone, and he talks about uh, guinea pigs and humans are the only mammals that cannot produce, I think some monkeys as well, that cannot produce uh, ascorbic acid, vitamin C. And if you take a lot of um, vitamin C, that's in grams, it will help your immune system and he said in nineteen seventy four that he hoped more research would be done in this area, but of course, ascorbic acid is cheap, it's uh, not produced and it's not as expensive as some of the pharmaceutical drugs that people are given, and therefore we have the problems that we have today. Now, your neuropathy is it has it improved much over the last eleven years?
2: No. I was really hoping the cannabis use, the high high use of cannabis would help that. But no, I will say, though, that a lot of people I talk to that have neuropathy have an excruciating amount of pain with it. Pricking, tingling needles, they tell me. I don't have any of that. It's just numb. (laughs) So I think the cannabis is helping because I don't have a lot of the side effects from it. I just, it's numb. But I don't get that tingly, prickly thing very darn often. Once in a while in my feet, and then I think, ooh, maybe they're going to wake up. But they haven't yet. Uh And it's it's the immune system. I've worked with a lot of homeopathic doctors on a lot of different stuff. And so far, we got it to come back some, but without the weekly injections, it's just not enough.
1: God, I can't believe you started with three days taking a gram a day. My God, it was. Uh, <laughs> I've taken a, I've taken a gram, and uh, I was high for two and a half days. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah, I <laughs> honestly believe with the cancer patients that I work with, the sicker you are, the quicker you can take a lot. I think what happens with cannabis is it goes to all the broken stuff before it goes to your head and gets you high. That's my thought. Yeah. Interesting, yeah. How long did it take before you got the all clear? Well, I just told you I had those tumors growing in my lungs, and it took about, I think it was about two years for those to completely clear up. And at that Mm -hmm. point, there was no more recognizable lymphatic activity and no more tumors in my lungs, and everything was starting to clean up pretty good. So about two years, but I don't, you know, according to them, I had that lymphoma for years and years and years. So I guess Hmm. two years isn't that long to wait.
3: No, I I always say to patients, you didn't just get this yesterday. Yeah, it's been brewing a long time. Yeah, it's not going to disappear overnight.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I have patients that want to be better tomorrow. Well, of course, (laughs) yeah, and I get
3: that, but it's, it's not quite the way it works. So, Sue, when you did this gram a day, were you
2: doing that gram all at once? No, no. Um, you decided it up. A lot of homeopathic doctors I've talked to have explained that if you eat something within four hours, your body should excrete it. So I thought, well, gosh, if that's how your body works, you should probably break it up. So every day I take it at least three different times throughout the day. And then if I'm not feeling well, I may even take it four or five different times throughout the day. But I never double up on – I have all one-third gram capsules. I don't ever take two-thirds at a time usually. It's like one-third in the morning, a couple hours later, a third, you know, if I'm not feeling well. Otherwise, it's just morning, afternoon, and before bed.
1: Mm. Sue, have you ever thought about taking suppositories?
2: Oh, I do. I do. Oh, okay. I get sick, and and I can't keep anything down orally. I'll, I'll take suppositories. It's not all done orally. I'm not opposed to suppositories. I kind of like them.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they're great.
2: Yeah.
1: How long before you, when you said you were 93 pounds, how long did it take for you to start gaining some weight again?
2: Oh, gosh. Months to, you know, finally get back up to 110. And then after a year or so, 115. And now I weigh about 120. (laughs) But that must be what I'm supposed to weigh.
3: Yeah, that's a good yep. weight.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm only 5'2", so it's not like I should be super heavy. Yeah. Sue, so when you uh
3: use oil, is this a multi-strain oil that you use?
2: Yes, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Yep, I, many- I grow all of, all of my own cannabis. We've had it tested. We grow high THC, high CBD, and then some... You know, hybrids, what they call them, where they're mixed. And then I mix the oils together to get the blends that I want for daytime and nighttime use. Excellent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You, uh, over the years, you've, you've been doing this. When you started doing this, did you tell your doctor what you were doing?
2: Yes. Yes. All of my doctors know what I'm doing. I can't say they necessarily like it, and I had to giggle just last year. I still go see the oncologist every year, and I asked her point blank. I said, so how many patients do you have that 11 years out with lymphoma that you haven't had to treat again? And she entirely changed the subject and said that with these new drugs that we have, we treat it differently now. Now we go after the immune system instead of going after the. Oh, yes, the immunotherapy. Yeah. I've
3: got a yeah, pay- couple of now in ICU, compliments of immunotherapy, quote unquote, as the doctor said, their lungs are like dust, compliments of immunotherapy. I think immunotherapy is, for, for myself, just my personal opinion, scarier than chemo.
2: Okay. See, and, and just the fact that she had to change the subject and point blank not answer me told me that not many, <laughs> if yeah. any, you know? Yeah.
3: Yeah,
2: interesting. That can go more than about three years before they have to be treated again. Yeah. Sue, did you, uh,
3: you know, often when we speak with patients, uh, in fact, in almost all cases, they've changed their diet as well. Did you change your diet or? Oh, yes. Yep. You did? Okay.
2: I try to eat more healthily. I can't say I don't ever have a piece of candy, but I try to eat healthily. And I, I know that that's definitely what we're supposed to do. That and I added more water and I guess the big thing I changed too was trying to do yoga and um trying to eliminate stress. Yeah, easier Good said than done. <laughs> yeah. No, you gotta, yeah, do it. You I- gotta- I keep reading books, self-help books, trying to help me with that. And then the government throws some more restrictions on us. It makes you feel all weird all over again. <laughs> I don't know. Sue, <laughs> so
1: in your disease state, what was the lowest point for you?
2: It was actually, I believe, on my 50th birthday, I told Pat I was done, that, that I I just couldn't do this anymore i didn't know that your fingernails could hurt you know what i mean i didn't know that every single part of your body could hurt like that i prayed to die it hurt
3: mm-hmm.
2: therapy hurts you don't lose your hair and it just falls out and it don't hurt to lose your hair so yeah no there was there was one point where i was done i i didn't i didn't want to keep going on at all It was too hard. So,
3: Was there ever a time when you thought you weren't going to make it then?
2: Oh, yeah. More than once. The doctor that I had afterwards admitted that the last couple of chemotherapies he gave me, he didn't adjust it for my weight. And so I would end up back in the hospital because I didn't have any blood cells that were helping me and stuff. So, no, I had to have blood transfusions and antibiotics and yeah. It was crazy. I thought I was going to die more than once.
3: Wow.
1: Well, it sounds like uh, when you deal with the medical profession, it's like the kiss of death, isn't it?
2: When it comes to oncologists,
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, kind of, the oncologist I have now, I fired the original one that gave me the chemotherapy and everything. Um, I have one now that knows what I'm doing. I don't know if he recommends it to anybody else, but he's all for it, and just keeps telling me, "You keep doing what you're doing. You're looking good." I guess that's the best that's I can do right now in the medical profession, you know.
1: So when you when you mentioned the the lowest point where you essentially emotionally gave up and thought you didn't want to do this anymore, that uh, you'd rather die, what turned things around for you?
2: Probably my husband begging me to please not do that. You can do this. You're strong enough. You're a strong woman. Keep going. You've got kids. You've got grandkids. We want you here. That Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. family,
1: family and cannabis.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well, I didn't find the cannabis until after the chemotherapy treatments were done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my whole goal ever since then is to make sure everybody understands before they start that chemotherapy that you have an option. You don't have to take it, but it's out there. I didn't know it was out there. I've always been a cannabis user since I was a kid. So if I would have known that that option was out there, I'd have certainly tried it. You know, I would have given it a a go. I'd have told the doctors, well, let me try this for a year. And if it don't work, I'll come back and talk to you.
1: Yeah, you know, when we interviewed on the episode before you, episode 370, we interviewed this fellow, Miles Critchley, in the UK, and he had thyroid cancer. And his doctor said, if you don't have your thyroid removed, you will die. And he essentially said, the hell with you, and got on cannabis, lost a lot of weight, and uh, many months later was declared uh, cancer-free. So I think, you know, you did the right choice in not succumbing to the pressure the doctor's place on patients to get in there and get that uh, chemotherapy right away. Uh, After six treatments, you said, uh, I would rather die. And then you got on cannabis and things started to improve. And 11 years later, you're cancer free. You're a rarity with uh, follicular lymphoma
2: oh yeah they wanted to leave that port in because they knew they were going to have to treat me again and I told them that last exam after that last PET scan even though I had tumors growing in my lungs and everything else I said you take that port out you take it out I ain't never doing this again I don't care what happens to my lungs I ain't never doing this and they took the port out No, I'm not playing with chemotherapy or radiation or immunotherapy. You already took care of my immune system for me, remember?
3: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Don't need to do that. No, I have no intentions of playing any of that. I think at this point, I know enough homeopathic people that I work with and enough about how the human body works that I can treat myself. I did get skin cancer since then. Uh, I never talked to you guys about it. I did put it all out there on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But I got a diagnosis of skin cancer. They took a scoop out, said it was basal cell carcinoma, and told me I'd have to come back and have, you know, like a big circle cut out of my arm. And I was like, yeah, I don't think so. I'm going to go home <laughs> and I'm going to put black oil on it and I'll come back and I think they told me I needed to come back right away, like in two weeks to have it cut out. And I said, nah, 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 nah. I'll come back in about six or eight weeks. And the lady, of course, at the appointment place is like, you want to wait that long? I'm like, well, yeah, I want to give it a chance. <laughs> After that time, we went back in there and the lady had a couple of kids from the college there with her. You know, how they always ask, do you mind if I bring these people in to see what's going on? And. She looked at mm-hmm. my mom and it was completely healed. And I said, nice. And I used cannabis for this. And she ushered those kids out and came back <laughs> in and told me. <laughs>
1: that's
2: funny. <laughs> go, lady.
3: So when you got rid of that, did you just apply it topically? Or were you in- well, you were probably ingesting as well, eh? Did you apply it topically?
2: Yes, yes. That's
3: what I did. Yeah. I put black
2: oil on it. It would be made every day for six I I actually think after like four or five weeks, it was completely gone. But, you know, the appointment wasn't for a few weeks out. So I kept using it right until I went there. And it just looked like regular skin at that point. I have a little circle scar where they scooped it out. Mm. But I had the diagnosis, though, to prove the cannabis worked then, right?
1: Yes. Right. (laughs) Do you know that when we were doing this in the early days, uh, I think Corey was at a conference in Prague, and so I interviewed a former Vietnam veteran who moved back to Vietnam, and he had uh, skin cancer behind his ear, and it was just the ugliest thing you've ever seen. And he uh, applied the oil and it disappeared, and his skin is just now a nice pink. Yeah, so that's exact exactly what you did.
2: Yeah, my daughter did that, too. She had a spot. She never went in and had the scoop taken out, but she had a very angry looking spot that looked just like mine. You use cannabis oil every day and put it out on Facebook. This is what happens when you use cannabis oil. I was horrified when I went to the dermatologist appointment in his office. There's people in there that he had cut off their ears and their nose and part of their chins and stuff. Oh, oh my God! God. It, was, it was scary. It was waiting in the waiting room. It was like, dang! You, I would have
3: felt like getting up and
2: leaving. Well, I I wanted it diagnosed. I needed to know what it was.
3: Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, good for yeah. you. Good for you, Sue. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, yeah
1: a... Corey's uh, Corey over the years has talked to people who have, have uh, the doctors have cut out, uh, especially in kids, which is just so sad. Mm-hmm. Various body parts. And uh remember, Corey, that one story about the, the baby, uh, the baby with bladder? Oh, my God.
3: And his God. bowel. And oh, my God. He was like 14 months old or something. And I think they amputated his penis as well. It was just horrible. What, well, your mm-hmm. little boy in the UK? It was awful. Yeah. I think he was 14 months old. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Those
2: doctors are pretty darn barbaric, aren't they?
1: Yeah. So I would think that you owe your life to your husband, who did all the research. And
2: uh, and to God. He's the one that made us with a plant for everyone to eat you, your will. Yeah. 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 One thing I did want to say in this show is that I honestly believe you need to take care of yourself. Here in the States, you know they've made cannabis pretty legal in a lot of the States, but everything they're selling in the dispensaries has been remediated, which means it's been radiated to prevent mold and mildew. And Mm -hmm. nobody knows what smoking or eating or turning that into oil does. They can't tell you how it was grown, if it was grown organically or if it was grown in dirt or in water. They really don't know too much about the stuff they're selling other than they're a pot store. Uh-huh. I think if you grow, your own, you know what you have. Yeah. That way, you know, when you're when you're, you know, extracting it and condensing it, you know, that you're not putting anything bad in your body. That's my recommendation. Yeah. Not to mention the health benefits of growing a plant.
1: Yeah, you're exactly right. Absolutely agree. Yeah. Sue, so, uh, it was great to talk to you again. Do you have any advice for people who may be listening, who are listening, actually?
2: my advice would be do a little bit of research you'll find out there now i mean it's become pretty darn obvious that cannabis cures cancer <laughs> do do a little bit of research find out what you need because i know now they have so many um pages out there that you can go to like colon cancer and go there and find out and if you find out that you know 32 of those people are using high THC. You get your hands on some high THC. If they're finding, you know, a 50-50 blend, then get that. If they're finding that CBD works the best for your cancer, get that. There's enough information out there right now to where you should be able to find what you need and help yourself. You know, is it like that?
1: Exactly. Sue, it was great to talk to you. We'll uh, we'll do another interview on your 20th anniversary.
2: Sounds wonderful, you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Sue, thank you so much.
3: Lovely to see you again. and Hopefully, I'll see you in person again one day. That would be
2: nice. Yes.
1: (laughs) Before we go, I want to let our listeners know that you can help us spread the word about the amazing, often life-saving health benefits of cannabis just by sharing the podcast, write an interview, or rating us. We very much appreciate uh, the help of everyone who's done that already. And we really like the five-star ratings. We'd also like to thank those of you who support the show by making a one-time donation or a monthly donation on our Patreon page, which you can do for as little as $5 a month. That ha- helps to keep us running. You'll find out how to do that on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Thank you for your support. It means so much to us. And we'll be back again next week with another episode of Cannabis Health Radio.
0: Thanks for listening to Cannabis Health Radio. For more information and to search previous podcasts, visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com. Subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. And follow us on Facebook Instagram, and Twitter. This podcast is made possible by donations from our listeners. If you found the information helpful, please consider making a donation in any amount through our website. You can also help us share our message by leaving a review on your podcast listening platform. We are very grateful for your support. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
3: Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a -a one-of-a-kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has kind of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnects network.